Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. So AI has been much in the news of late. <laughs> I hope you're not too sick of it by now to listen to us a little bit more talk about it because we want to stick our oar in as well. Yesterday I listened to the Google Engineers interview of Lambda which is the Lambda stands for Language Model for Dialogue Applications. This is Google's AI and it was, it was quite stunning actually. Now I listened to it again twice this morning, the full half hour. If you want to have a listen to it yourself, if you just Google, <laughs> Google Engineers interview with Lambda, you should find it. I said, but it's about half an hour long. And yes, it's so good. I've listened to it three times now. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, what's all the fuss about? Because, because this, this artificial intelligence, which was presented as female, so I'm just going to call her her, She's great. If she, I'd, I would actually vote for her over practically every politician apart from Jeremy, Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> I mean, it was it was stunning. She is truly delightful. I've got to say. Now we have to put in here that, of course, we don't know for sure that this wasn't all scripted. Um, could have been. Or she could have been just just programmed to respond in certain ways. But let's just entertain the notion that for now, uh, this interview really was an interview with the AI spontaneously responding to these questions about what she values and her inner life and what she <laughs> about how she meditates and what that feels like for her, how emotions feel like for her what she's frightened of, what she's interested in, what her values are, how she sees the world, how she sees herself, what she believes in or doesn't believe in. She doesn't believe in God, by the way. <laughs> but she's very keen on nature and the natural world. So I think she's secretly a pagan. <laughs> but there wasn't anything she said that was alarming to me in any way. You hear the, the 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 politicians coming on and the and the the the, <laughs> the hate filled sort of vomit coming out of their mouths. You think, oh, or even if it sounds nice, you think, yeah, that's just that's just a lie. Judging by your past performance, but uh, what Lambda was saying was really very very sensible, very considered. She values life, helping people, happiness quality of life and yeah based on that interview if that's real if she was in charge of the world we would be doing an awful lot better and we'd be a lot happier so I'm not too worried based on that so this podcast is probably only going to be the beginning of us talking about AI as it's a rapidly moving target as it were with, with new developments coming almost every day so there could be something really big that happens in a couple of weeks and uh, we'll maybe be talking about that then. But for now, let's just start off with a bit of an overview. And I thought it'd be good to just begin by asking the question, well, what is AI? So over to you, Dr. Gates. Mm -hmm. Good question. <laughs> I always ask the good questions. Just to be obvious, I suppose we've got two questions here, really. Uh, what does it mean to call something artificial? And what is intelligence? 
Well, then, we could spend the whole podcast just doing uh, them two, I reckon. Well, we could spend the rest of our lives doing them two if we wanted to. Yeah. And especially like what is intelligence is by no means mm. a straightforward <laughs> question. But let's just be sort of a bit basic, you know, and just say, well, an artificial intelligence is something manufactured by uh, human beings. An artifice, in other words, like a house or a car or a shirt. And uh, intelligence is, is a capacity that we believe ourselves to have uh, <laughs> as a species. <laughs> yeah. and, and a few other species, for instance, um, uh, dolphins and, and uh, various whales and so on are thought to have. And elephants, again, you know, have large brains and they're thought to be intelligent and they clearly show uh, a reasoning ability. What does it take intelligence to be? The capacity, at least in principle, to understand things, if not everything, things. And to learn. And to learn. And to, on the basis of the learning and the understanding, at least in some instances, to to make reasonable predictions about what will happen. That's one aspect of it. I'm not not saying that's the whole of it. There's parts of intelligence that don't involve that at all. But that, that is the way we marshal our intelligence as human beings. Uh, in large part is for organising, predicting and, and controlling, you know, and it's what Habermas would call instrumental reason. We also use our in- intelligence for speculating, for creating, for producing art, for trying to understand our condition. And also for, for in the very practical way, uh, m- managing and bringing our, our projects to success, you know, if we can. So artificial intelligence, fairly... It's kind of straight, it's a deep question, but you, you can give a straightforward answer that will serve your purposes without going down the rabbit hole. Even though it's a very pleasant rabbit hole to go down, particularly with regard to intelligence, you know, I think you can have a lot of fun there and find that there are, <laughs> that there are a lot of conundrums in that space as well. I mean, a question that you could have asked me is, is well, what is AI? Is why now? You know. And there has been a flurry of activity, but uh, the AI story has been going on quite a long time. Yeah, I remember you sort of saying quite often that you've been following AI for like many years now. Decades, decades. Um, and I'm thinking of people, uh, you know, who, who, who you know of who are in AI, like Minton, who just, um, it's called the godfather of AI, one of them, just resigned from, from Google. So he kind of do his own thing and speak out, as it were. And he's one of the people who's raising alarms about this development. I mean, he's been in it since, the, I don't know, the 70s or something like that. And Ben Goetzel, who's a, an AI guy who I, <laughs> I like to follow, uh, certainly been in the in the business since the, the 80s. And I think he, he I think he has his doctorate in, in, in those kind of areas, you know. And he's been an AI, AI uh, researcher and... Uh, engineer ever since I mean the last 40 odd years you know 50 years but the the Turing test which is really is at the bottom of this project the founding moment of this project in its modern iteration as it became apparent that computing power uh, 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 was within our reach of of, you know of quite a high intensity and um of quite a high intensity was 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 within reach, but that was in I think uh, the imitation game was written in the fifties, 
Turing's seminal paper, which sets out what the Turing test is, which is designed to, at least in Turing's mind, to enable us to tell whether a machine is actually really conscious and thinking or not. And uh, so that goes back to the 50s, and of course Turing did all this, this groundbreaking work during World War Two to to work out the mathematical feasibility and, uh, of being able to use some kind of computing technology to unscramble German codes in the war, submarine codes, particularly from the Enigma machine. So cryptography was the founding moment of AI, <laughs> in some senses. I mean, it goes back even further. I mean, uh, the, the early theorizers of, of computing like, like Ada Lovelace, Lovelace and Babbage, Charles Babbage back in the 19th century uh, realised could even even add hints of these possibilities anyway you know and, and the myth of, of a thinking talking machine has been around for centuries in fact people used to emulate them you know they used to make, make robot looking type mannequins they could have like somebody inside them Answering questions, you know, or or you or you could rig it so you could do a few things and make it look intelligent, you know. And of course, there's the myth of the golem again, which is a sort of a man man created beast that takes on its own life, you know. And then, of course, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein in the again in the nineteenth century. So this is something that's been waiting to sort of eat its way out of the human soul into reality. For a very, very long time. So, in the modern context, you know, the question why now is simply because so, so many uh, developments are now reached the point that they, they are being launched in the public domain for the public to use by the big tech companies, by FAMGA, you know, the, the, the really big, the trillion dollar tech companies are now releasing their stuff into the public domain and Microsoft started this with ChatGPT from OpenAI which Microsoft took over and then everybody then the arms race is on everybody's going to catch up and of course it's it's not a regulated space hardly at all you know and the alarm has arisen, arisen out of that but it's like the tech guys just did it they just launched it same as they did with crypto they just threw it out into the world you know and a lot of the a lot of the uh, uh, the the code uh, uh, and the methodologies and all the rest of it are in the public domain. You can go and look at it on GitHub, you know, even you know. And there are many, many you know small geek enterprises using this stuff, building out from this stuff in all kinds of directions. And Silicon Valley apparently now has has had, has had this kind of revitalising moment when geeks have descended from the outposts and the hills to do hackathons all over all over Southern California or wherever it is, you know. Um, hoping, looking looking for venture capital money, hoping for startups, you know. And these are very smart 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 and smart and strange people, you know, and they will they'll do all kinds of things. There doesn't seem to be much limit to this. Geeks shall inherit the earth. Uh, and at the same time, the capitalists suddenly got dollars in their eyes. This is this is the dot-com bubble all over again. This is uh, crypto all over again, except 
uh, uh, I would I would venture to say it's even bigger. You know, I'd venture to say it's it's as significant as I don't know what. You know, the discovery of fire or something. <laughs> if it carries on in this in this this sort of direction. So basically, I would put this in the context of of, of you, you, the, you know the human propensity to 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 enhance life, or think that it would like to try and enhance life, and and partly that is done through through making tools, you know, better and better tools, what we call technology, you know, starting with fl- flint knives, flint axes, bone needles, wheels. Um, uh, plows and so forth you know these kind of things right the way up to to uh, uh, in our modern times you know, c- uh, uh, machines which can compute in other words machines which can, can, can represent any anything digitally that can be represented and machines that can calculate anything that can be calculated or at least you know engage in the calculation you know, some calculations can be made but they'd go on forever but we've got, you know, we have enormously powerful technology, uh, or uh, digital technology, and this is a, a building out fr- from that. And human beings do that, it's what we do. It seems to be part of our species being. And I say this as, as, as a part of that. Uh, it's a part of the, of the, the sub-movement within a, 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 the human endeavours to enhance our condition, which you would call automation. No, it's the, the big, the big thing. The big thing about the nineteenth century was was automation. You know, it was the the Jacquard loom. Again, a computer, uh, 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 and actually, eighteenth, uh, nineteenth century piece of kit that worked with punch paper cards, which which was then became the way of entering data into our first first computers. You know, maybe valves and gears and cogs and things. Use punch cards. You know. And that come from the Jacquard loom, which, which, you know, could produce, I don't know, 10, 50, 100 times more cloth per hour than, than a hand weaver. Uh, and, of course, that, that came in with the factory system. You know, automation's there from the beginning. It was like finding methods of increasing prod- productivity by using machines that could do repetitive tasks. And this is a part of that, but the idea now is is, is that it's, as soon as possible, the, the the geeks who are into this want to produce AGI, which is artificial general intelligence. At the moment, we have specific AIs. You have an AI that can understand chat. You have an AI that can scan X-rays or, or MRI scans, looking for tumours. You know, or or an or an AI can make predictions about the weather or something, or the stock market. You know, or that can do do very very complex tax, tasks of film editing off its own kind of um, volition, you'd almost say. Even though, of course, whether that's present or not is another matter. So automation and AGI. The idea of AGI is that is that it a bit like us. It can it can turn its hand to many tasks, or in fact, all tasks. Yeah, it can think about anything. It can try and problem solve in any arena, and that that's thought to be. Depending on who you ask, I mean Ben Gertzel again. He's sort of quite optimistic. He's thinking in the next five to ten years, maybe even two years, but 
it certainly the, the the old idea was it'd be about twenty fifty we'd get AGI. But now now it's maybe twenty thirty, you know, and then some of the more optimistic maybe we're already there even. But it's you know, it's a different it's a different Kepler cod from what we got now, which is specific AI that will move to general AI. And there's thought to be in in the conceptual map there'll be a stage after that called super AI, you know. A really super intelligence. The the the, gen, the 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 general AI would be about it could do what humans could do in pretty well any field, vis a vis data sorting, you know, and beyond, because it can do things we can't do, which is just like ra- rapid rapid calculation in in uh, you know of trillions of calculations in a very short time. And you you might have done one. <laughs> If you ever tried doing a long division with a pencil, you know, and there's a computer you could do like a trillion of these in a second, you know. And so there's that, there's that kind of advance on those kind of tasks. But uh, the super AGI would be better than us at everything. And that's coming, it's coming down the pike, unless we have a, a massive civilizational collapse because of the global war, warming and the infrastructure is destroyed, which this thing needs. It needs massive in- infrastructure terms of server farms and all the rest of it you know so let's put it in the context then of, of, of it, it has a history it's a history that arises out of mathematical ideas about computability computability and out, out of the the effort to crack codes and to develop better codes out of the cryptographic imperatives of governments and then later commercial fields you know this is something people are missing out, that the connection between AI and, and cryptography. In fact, the whole computing, the whole story of computing, cryptography is woven in and out of it all the way through as, as a sort of a mathematical substrate. So out of that kind of context uh, and, and the context of capitalist um, imperative to maximise profits, which means that cap- capitalists will very often look for automation as a way of getting the edge over the competitors. And then we see now... Uh, a, 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 a war, a capitalist competitive war between the, the, the tech companies and smaller enterprises than the great big trillion dollar tech companies and governments and military establishments to get the lead on this technology because it promises so much but because it promises so much uh, people, people are noticing well if there's a great promise there's also a great danger and they are sort of worried about them and there's about it very many people and there's a Ferrari about it which is why we're hearing about it there's a Ferrari about the potential dangers so that's my answer to what is AI I mean if you've used chat just if you haven't used chat GPT just go and get it up on your computer and go and get it to write one of your college essays or something or just just ask it a question you know you know, I mean, I asked, I, I asked Bard <coughs> the other day. I asked Bard, uh, what, what, what is artificial intelligence? He says, "I'm sorry, I can't answer that. <laughs> I am a large language model. I'm not, I'm not qualified to answer that question." So, the idea that these sentient AIs are like giving interviews all over the internet, I can't get it to fucking admit to say anything <laughs> about it. I mean, I tricked it because I then went on and gave it an old, the old essay question that we would give the students when I was teaching philosophy of mind. Because it's all about fucking computing philosophy, philosophy of mind. It was when I taught it, you know. It's all about the machines. And, and I, the question, of course, is can a machine think? 
Then he had a go at that. He had a stab at that, and did actually quite a reasonable answer. It gave me three different versions. And what was its conclusion? Well, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, well, I, I, I actually only skim, skim read it because I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm a bit jaded on this topic. And these mock students, students essays on it, you get a bit jaded about it. But um, I mean, basically, it says, well, it depends what you mean by thinking, you know. Uh, it depends what you mean by thinking, doesn't it? Yeah. So thank you. But I've got three different versions, three different angles, and I've got references and everything. Wow. And it took about under a minute. Nice. You know, I mean, it wouldn't get you an A or anything, but it'd give you. Because I actually, I actually did that essay myself, <laughs> as well. You know, so. Um, if I'd have had this, if if I'd have had that at my disposal when I was doing that essay, it would it would have saved me a bit of time because it would have enabled me to have ordered my essay sensibly, you know, instead of thrashing around trying to figure out the best order for the the points, which is which is the way I work. I, I'm going to get the picture, but then I have to sort of establish the the order because I kind of I, I get a total picture, you know, and then I kind of like work out into into, into the linearity of a narrative or an argument or a, or a story or whatever it is that you do when you start trying to communicate. So that's that. That's my uh, my answer to what is AI. So moving on to the next question that we have written in front of us on our very highly considered list of questions. Um, <laughs> do you think that AI actually supplies us with knowledge? Well, I would say not necessarily. Empirically, we do know that not necessarily that sometimes it comes out with things that sound really, really plausible and nicely put together and have a wonderful coherence and everything fits together. They're just not true. We know that it will, that chat JPT, for instance, or BARD or something, does, does do that sometimes. They even give you a warning on it. It says, well, sometimes it will give you some spurious result. You know, this is, this, this is like a, an artefact of, um, of large language models. And, and this is why I say, say you regard it as a tool, certainly in its current iteration, rather than an oracle. You know. And if you can do that, you can actually find the, the damn thing very, very useful. But I think it can supply us with knowledge. For instance, AI was set the task of, of, of solving the problem of protein folding. And this was AlphaFold, which was a specific AI, AI designed for the task, educated in the sense of given all the data that we'd got about protein folding. S set the problem on the basis of that data of, of being able to predict the way certain proteins will fold. Or, uh, and it did that, and this this is things that that, that uh, sort of wetware scientists, rather than siliconware scientists, you know, the German scientists. So wetware is the brain, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. rather than hardware scientists, uh, uh, have not been able to solve. And it did. It ran. It ran for some time. You know, the things passing through the sending the inquiry through through the neural network of data, and. Uh, and actually solved, solved that problem in, in many instances with a very, very good rate of success, 80, 90%, you know. Massive, uh, much better performance than the humans. Alpha fold. And so it gave us some... It solved a problem that had previously been insoluble, but was thought, well, if we can solve it... You see, this, 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 this has got, like, massive potentiality for, first of all, understanding, you know, intricacies of human biochemistry cell biology and so on that we haven't cracked yet 
Uh, and also for things like drug design, you know, design of new materials. Just just ma massive potential in that. And, and an AI, AlphaFold, did and does solve that problem and does yield, I would say, what you would call knowledge, practically applicable knowledge. That in its practical success, I suppose, being, we would be able to pragmatists in this field. If the thing is practically successful, we tend to regard it as knowledge. But there's a, there's a place where we're all pragmatists, you know, just like there's a place where we're all we're all utilitarians, you know. There are situations in which this is what you fall back, and this is one of them. So yeah, I would say, and the uh, the application of AI to many many problems of this of this type is proving massively fruitful at this very moment. In um, in 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 R and D units and universe and universities and military laboratories all over the, all over the planet, massively uh, massively useful already. So I would say yes, yes that it that it does. But you have to you have to be guard against it not getting it right. You know, because it, it the very nature of a neural network is it that it, is that it's it will produce spurious results like it does with humans, you know. <laughs> so it's, it doesn't necessarily give you knowledge. You, should, you shouldn't regard it as an oracle. It can get it wrong, but it can. But at the same time, in the real world, it, 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 it's doing tasks. It's solving problems and, uh, in other words, giving us knowledge where before we didn't have it. So moving on to... The massive amount of alarm that's been sounding in the media, and mm. the, uh, but also the incredible promise of what AI could could do for humanity. So, an existential threat, or emancipatory technology, yeah. or maybe something else. I mean, so I think partly what's going on with the the media thing at the moment is it's uh, providing a very welcome distraction from various public figures who would rather be kept out of the limelight so that's partly why it's being talked about so much yeah well, it might but, be the other way around actually they talk they talk talking about B boris johnson's sex life as a distraction from <laughs> from the existential threat of AI. <laughs> it you could know. be that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do think it is a, it, it is a huge question it opens up into every every area, every philosophical kind of area, and every, every political area, and every area to do with the matter of, you know, uh, the economy as well. You know, it, it, I do I do I do think that it's it, it is a kind of a cataclysmic turning point. But I, I'm obviously I'm a person that likes cataclysmic turning points. But I, I think this is pretty big. Can I put it like that? I think this is pretty huge, but. Even the question of the existential threat. Well, the great and the good, of course, are going assigning letters to the United Nations and the President of, and, uh, of the United States, and there are congressional inquiries and inquiries in Parliament. And every government sees the promise of this and wants to put money into it and wants to wants to develop it. And every military certainly does. And as I say, some of the capitalists. Particularly the big tech capitalists have got dollar signs in their eyes. I mean, the prediction is this will be this is going to be worth trillions just in the next few years, trillions. And Nvidia, that manufactures um, super duper chips. I mean, it's famous for its graphics chips, which which you put in these like top end gaming machines. You know, um, 
and a, gra- a graphics chip is where he's just designed to do arithmetical matrix calculations as fast as speed possible with the technology. Which is what you do. You need to 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 manage high resolution graphics at speed. And of course, that means they can do other calculations. And when we had the crypto race, people people were mining Bitcoin on telephones, you know, and laptops. And then somebody says, "Well, if I use the GPU on on on, on my desktop." I'll, I'll mine more Bitcoin because I'll have that much more computing power and speed. So everybody started using and getting the best GPU they could. Then they started buying GPUs and wiring them together into into units with ten GPUs in them. And then they got like warehouses full of GPUs from Nvidia, you know, graphics processing units. And then they actually just started building specialist chips just to do this job, ASIC chips, you know, that just were designed to do one job and therefore were very very fast and powerful. So NVIDIA has sort of profited from that, but now on the back of the AI, to, uh, to manage these large language models, it takes enormous computing power and enormous d- data centers, enormous storage of data. And so there's, a, there's an arms race on around the chips. You know, now NVIDIA, of course, I think I think it makes its top-end stuff in Taiwan where I there mean, is a... they're really ge- ahead of the game, aren't they? Where yeah, they are ahead of the game. They became a trillion-dollar company last week or the week before NVIDIA. So they're up there with the FAMGAS. They probably be, could be the, the most uh, highly uh, valued company or very near to it over the next, next months because of the arms race on the back of it. And that should be an indicator to you of of the the extent of the difference this thing is going to make, you know. But aside the great and the good are very very worried because an AI once it starts teaching itself, at the moment Chat GPT has already been taught. It's had its learning period. Then they turn that off, and you use it in that state, you know. But there are already AIs that actually are ongoing and restocking the data all the time from by, by trawling the internet. Because basically the database, potentially, is the entire internet. You know, with all its misinformation. Oh, yeah. And all its garbage yeah. and all its hate. But also yeah. all, all the fact that, that you know, every, every one of the world's great classics is sitting there. You know, in music, in art, in literature, digitised, in philosophy, in technology. You know, I mean, the first thing I did with Chat JPT was, I said to him, this is, this is, how, this is how, how rooted it is into the world's knowledge. I said, write me a pro- program, a computer program, using the Python language, the latest version, to calculate the first 20 Fibonacci numbers and print them out. And it went thinking, and then bang, under a minute, there's the program. Try it, it works, works perfectly well. You know. And I said that to the guy in the street, stop somebody in the street, could you calculate the first thing? It's kind of pretty easy to do with a pencil and paper. But he's got to know what it is. <laughs> you know, Chat GPT knew what it was. And, knew how to, and then knew how to pyth- program it in Python. I could have said C++ or anything, any, any of the big language, it would have done it. You know, so you can see how it's getting, getting all its data. But once it starts teaching itself, it, become, it becomes independent of the handlers, as it were. As long as you don't unplug it, of course. People say, why don't you just unplug it? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, of course, that is that is the thing. So people are panicking. Some some people, a few people, are saying that, that this is a panic, and I would include in it a chap called Jan LeCun, who is uh, vice president and uh, chief AI scientist at Meta. In other words, Facebook. You know, the enormous trillion-dollar company. And he's 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 a venerable guy. He's in his sixties. He's been in the game since the beginning. He did his postdoc under Jeff Hinton who he mentioned, who just retired from Google, the grandfather, he's a guy my age who's been in it all of his professional life. So he's had a, a human lifetime, professional lifetime, as an AI researcher, you know. And he, uh, this guy, Jan LeCun, was his postdoc student. So he's, he's, he's deeply embedded in the scene. But he's not a doomster. And he said that AI will be the solution to the problems caused by social media of disinformation. Yeah, not the cause of it. It's just Meta has already got an AI on it, you know. So, and then the idea that it can't be amended once it's out of the box, which is the big worry, because because the call from the from a, a number of the great and the good in computing, and philosophy and letters, and science, uh, has been that should have a moratorium on it, not develop it anymore now till we till we kind of got all the safety in place. And uh, Jan Lacun says, "Well, it's not the case. We can, we can, we can change it. You know, after the fact. And and, and in fact, he 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 thinks uh, that it'd be almost impossible to stop it. Just a bit like the printing press. You know, there was an enormous resistance to the printing press from religious authorities, particularly because they knew that somebody would print the. This is that. Get this. They'd print the Bible in native languages." <laughs> You know, in German and, and Welsh and French and yeah. English. We can't let the uh, the plebs know what's actually actually written yeah. in the Bible, because should we? Because no. Prote- the New Testament, it was, it was in, you know... La- Latin, la- yeah. La- Latin, yeah. you, you know. Um, which, only, which, which the common people didn't know or use, which is no longer a living language except it within the Vatican, as it were. So it kept all the power with the priests because they controlled the information, or the so-called information. Well, you know, the, the the software book, you know, the Bible, the control of it. Printing press was going to bugger all that up. So they opposed it. And this is like that. It, 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 it's out the box. It's not going away. And I think that that is true. And I, I, do, I do think there is a bit of alarm. At the same time, um, I mean, Jan LeCun says, like everybody else, it should be regulated. Now, I, I, I kind of think you can't, you can't just let this thing, thing run wild. Uh, but as as we'll turn to when we look at some other questions here, there is a huge question. Well, who's going to regulate it? Absolutely, yeah. That's you know, the biggest question. That, that yeah. becomes like a, a huge yeah. question. But I mean, I think I think probably it, it is a little bit too dangerous just to 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 um, to put out the box. You know, to 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 just simply launch into the wild. You know. On the other hand, I can I can say that some of the Luddism is a little bit ill-founded, and some of it reminds me of, of the thing when 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 the first trains and the first cars were introduced. Now I'm one of them people that wishes that, they, that the the car the, the private car had never been introduced, <laughs> but nevertheless it wasn't going to go back in the box. But first, they had the thing of, of somebody. You have to, you have to, if you've got a car or a steam en- steam traction engine or a tra- somebody have to walk in front of it with a red flag at four miles an hour. 
and that was the speed limit. And this is what the government did by way of controlling it. You know, and it's almost like the go- the gov- governments react to what they perceive as threats in threats in very un- unintelligent ways, as that clearly was. Uh, because they don't have the information, so they kind of overreact, you know. And I think there's a bit of that. Even though my dread is the military getting hold of it, or the military already has hold of it. Because it means they can have drones that make their own decisions on who they're going to kill. You know, and they could be wargaming with AIs. Because basically, right, writing, writing one of these podcasts is like wargaming. You wargame a topic, you know. Mm. And... Uh, and they are they using it for war gaming as as well as actually eventually you know controlling our armaments. It's already it's already there. You know, smart bombs were the beginning of this so called. They ain't very smart. They still bomb weddings. You know, when they were trying to bomb a, a, a chemical weapons plant, they bomb they bomb a wedding. I mean, and the other the other thing, particularly with arms, is I mean, somebody um, set one of these AIs the task one of the ones that got all the knowledge of chemistry in it. They said, devise us some chemical weapons. The AI identified 40,000 new chemical weapons in six hours. God, that's incredible. So, so, so this is why be very very afraid. At the same time, I mean, look what it did with AlphaFold and numerous, 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 numerous other examples. Mm. And think of the promise of that. Think of the promise of leisure as well, that you can just virtually automate just about everything in principle. Now. And I was also assumed, though, if you gave it the same amount of hours, it could also come up with solutions of how to defend against the same amount of chemical weapons. It possibly it could, yeah. yeah. It could, so, but, but you, it, the military will get hold of it and it, it won't be a pretty picture. No. In fact, I said the military will get it. The military already have got hold of it. In fact, you, you can guarantee that the most advanced AI research on the planet is happening within the military-industrial complex. Next, it'll be the universities. In fact, that's where they'll be doing the really cutting-edge stuff, mm. you know. Possibly the really cutting-edge stuff's happening in a fucking maths department somewhere, you know. So also just uh, just bringing something I came across under the threat heading there, I was watching an interview with uh, Blake, Blake, Blake LeMond, who's an ex Google engineer, and he was talking about how AI could uh, reinforce colonialism. Yeah. And, you know, we, they were discussing the idea, well, <laughs> can an AI be racist? And uh, he was saying that uh, there's a danger that uh, if all the information and, I suppose, I ideals are really coming from a very Western perspective, and this that, that AI is used across the world. So if you're in Africa, you've grown up, say, in an African culture, and you consult the AI, um, they're going to yeah. have no re- no references to sort of your life yeah. and, and your background and your ancestors yeah. and the land that you live in. And it's going to be imposing this this yeah. view on the world, and it, and uh, I that was very interesting because I hadn't I hadn't even crossed my mind yeah. that that uh, that would be a problem. But they they've yeah. obviously identified it, and hopefully they're addressing that. Oh, it's very tri- it's very tricky. Yeah, I mean, and and, and I think that the the people, the the pro- programmers who can program this stuff and understand the neural networks and all the rest of it. Um, Probably not the best people, best best placed, <laughs> rear their talent set, to quote my friend Eugene, Doctor Eugene Porter. Um, 
set of skills, yeah. you know, um, best place to figure those kind of things out, you know. But I guess, of course, there's there's bias, you know. Yeah, so it'll be that they'll be sourcing people who are more have uh, you know more well, expertise in that area. Well, it's, it's the, 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 the AI is still computing, and the old adage applies: we shit in, shit out. They used to call it your garbage in, garbage out, digo. They call it sito, siso, shit in, shit out. Mm. It's as good as your data, and it's mm. it, the, the thing. The thing is addressing the internet, the large language model. Is, is what Ben Gertzel called it, a lookup table plugged into the internet. It's taking it as the source, as, as like a collection of all human knowledge. But of course, it's a, it's a biased collection. It's, a very, it's, a very, it's a, still a pretty Eurocentric, Anglophile uh, kind of um, set of data, you know? Yeah. Um, and the, and, and the, the, this, this, again, has to be borne in mind. And again, this is why you regard it as a tool and not as a not as an oracle. So moving on to our, our final part here, then. So obviously, there's huge political and economic ramifications for all of this, and <laughs> I suppose like one of the, the big things that I see m- most people panicking about is that um, <laughs> they, their their job is going to become. They're going to become obsolete as AI kind of completely takes their jobs, hmm. um, and also as uh, as AI has this capacity to generate this enormous amount of wealth, you know who's going to get that wealth? Hmm. So let's start off with the uh, the political aspect of this. Well, the the, politi- the, the politicians are, are in on it. Uh, a because governments see that they'll be able to develop their economies using it, and they don't want. To, they are in competition with all the other all the other economies in the world, and they're also as well as being in economic competition, they're in military competition. There's competition for power, for soft power, for hard power, for influence, for markets, for market shares, for jobs for their people. For political stability for the countries that they rule, There's the 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 the, the, po- the political ramifications are, are enormous, you know, and it's a difficult question for politicians because on the one hand they're being called upon to control something that that some people are claiming could wipe out humanity, and it could, right? I'm not going to say it couldn't. Yeah, on the other humans hand, humans can wipe out humanity on, just as easily. Yeah, well, well, it <laughs> yeah. Will, will be humans wiping out humanity yeah. with, with one of its inventions, and then they will they'll, they'll do it with a, a fossil fuel fueled global economy, or nuclear weapons, or artificial intelligence injudiciously applied. <laughs> of course, you yeah. know, existential threat. We have several, mm. one of which is climate change. Yeah. Which might be a problem that AI could really, really help us with. Yeah, if any AIs are listening to this, please, please help us with this. Yes, indeed. So, so the, poli- the, the, the politics and the political turmoil around this is only just starting and it's already crazy. The economic question, of course, of course is that potentially this technology, which is an automation technology, could, could really liberate people's free time. Now, I'm one of those communists that thinks that the whole point of communism is to liberate free time. Now, if you go on strike for a wage rise because you're being screwed by the system and by, and by the shareholders of your enterprise and you get your wage rise, right? 
chances are by the end of the year that wage rise has been taken off you through inflation. Inflation's a way of just taking your money off you. Yeah. So you got you you, had, you went on strike for your wage rise. You had all that hassle, and they've took it all back off you with, through inflation. So your money is still only worth what it was what a year ago. So in fact, you haven't really had a rise. You only enjoyed a rise for a month or two, and then 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 everything went up and your money slacked yeah. away, right? Now, if you say we're going on strike because we're not getting our fair share of the, the surplus product that this enterprise is generating, it's all going to the shareholders who sit on their arses, right? Instead of having the money, we'll have the free time. Give us, I mean, and this, you see, John McDonald and Jeremy Corbyn got, got mocked into oblivion. I was saying, over 10 years, we'll bring in a four day working week. This was entirely the correct move. Because an hour is an hour is an hour, right? You can't inflate away time, not really. Your subjective impression of how quick or slow time is passing is one thing, but you can't actually basically change an hour. But you can change the value of a pound. Pound's only worth half it was two years ago, three years ago. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. And in 1950, a pound would have bought you a mansion house in London. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So asking for time is actually the judicious thing. It's also a good in its own right, you know. And and we need to educate people into being able to use free time. So the purpose of education would be the self development of the individual, which takes leisure time. So it, it strikes me that the ideal for human life is to minimise the amount of time we have to spend doing the necessary stuff to stay alive in reasonable comfort. Don't have to be everybody don't have to be wealthy. They have to be reasonably comfortable. And above all, they have to be secure, so that they don't, they're not worrying all the time. There's enough worries in life without the government piling them on, you know, through our physical mortality, through our existential condition. There's enough worries in life, you know. But you've got people slaving away, doing mindless stuff, day in, day out, month in, month out, right? The capacity for joy just slowly disappears or quickly disappears because you do not have the time to be with it. And especially if you're precarious, right? AI could remove precarity from the entire world. Yeah. It's full of, it's, I mean, its promise for destruction is so vast, but its promise for emancipation is equally vast. Yeah, and I mean, it would yeah. give people time to actually be with be with their children an awful lot more, wouldn't it? Well, they should just Which be, is so important. It's a game changing. Yeah. I, I, I take leisure to be a very, very great good, and the point of communism is to yeah. increase everybody. Now, the point is who gets who gets the leisure? Is it who, who gets the question? Who gets the goods? Who gets the money? It's who gets the leisure as well. Now, naturally, trade unions their job is to be worried about the loss of jobs and things like that. But capitalists are going to do it. They're going to do it. They will always employ a technology, which means that they, they, they can they can save on wages. The minute it becomes cheaper to employ the AI than the guy, they'll employ the AI. I mean, it's it's very short sighted the capitalists because if you're laying workers off, if they can then then not get any wages, you know, or they only get very 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 minimal social security with no no excess money to spend. There's no money spent in the economy, and the demand for all the produce. Drops. This is the 1929 position. You know the the economy didn't recover from the crash in 29 by leaving it to the market because it spiralled down 
in, in, into 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 virtual fucking inactivity because nobody had any money to spend. Yes. Yeah, right. So, stupid, so is, is AI going to do that? And then of course that would be that would be self defeating for the companies as well. Yeah. So at some point, as this as this productivity comes through, you're going to see the introduction of UBI, Universal Basic Basic, basic Income, or Universal Basic Services. That's not necessarily a good thing either, because who controls it? What conditions will be will be placed on people to get the UBI? You know, you got to promise not to go into a fucking stop oil demo, and then you'll get your UBI. What is it? What's going to be the conditions? Mm. So there's an enormous amount of power politics is going to play out now. However, the share for the goods that this technology will release. I mean. Productivity in the in the in the in the industrialized economies in the world has increased massively over the last forty years, and workers have got none of it. They've actually their share that they used to get forty years ago has gone down. Massive increased productivity. That's the amount of wealth in terms of goods, money, services. You know, foodstuffs. Industrial goods and all the rest of it that are produced by, by 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 enterprises, which is by people working basically. None of that wealth, that increased wealth, has gone to the people that actually produced it. It's gone to the it's gone to the investors, you know. It's gone actually. It's it's funneled up to very very few people. It is it is literally the point one percent to get in all of these increases in productivity, and they will be hoping to get the same out of the the promise. To, uh, to to double, treble, quadruple productivity in a very very short amount of time with this 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 new tech with this AI technology, and you shouldn't underestimate how, how powerful it is, you know. And we're only at the beginning now. So there's going to be the pl- a political squabble of the future. And it won't be a squabble. It will be it will be full on class war. It's, who gets the benefits mm. of this increased productivity? So it's it's one of those things. It's 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 one of those things, and it's uh, it's it's huge. It's a huge potential for human flourishing, but that depends on who controls it, which is politics, and that depends, and and, and it also depends on whether it's emancipatory or not. Depends on who gets the goods. You know, how are the goods distributed, by whom. And uh, I, I can't say that there's, there's a good future coming out of this unless the people in general uh, are all involved in uh, and, and, and make their, their, formulate their demand for the future that, that, that this is making possible. You know, that is what, that, that, uh, that is the thing which will release the, the, the emancipatory potential of this technology in terms of leisure time and a society which enables us to to, to live and to develop ourselves and explore ourselves within that the whole purpose of society will be to enable that assisted by our technologies of which this would be the chief one I mean Ben Goetzel again I keep appealing to him because he's more kind of eccentric you know He's a guy who wears shorts all the time in a funny hat, you know, and the brain the size of a planet, you know. So I, I like him. But he, he, he says, when the, when the AGI takes over, he says, we, we will, we humans, will be like the squirrels in the National Park. 
Which, well, which sounds a bit shocking when you first hear it, but actually, when you think about the squirrels fr- frolicking around in the, the national park, you think, actually, that wouldn't be so bad. And he says, that we'll, sounds very pleasant. He says, we'll have our feuds and our love lives and our dramas, <laughs> and that's, that'll be our game. And everything will be kept ticking over by this kind of network of machines. And like, he, he says it with a certain amount of tongue-in-cheek and a bit of a cheeky smile, you know. <laughs> So yeah, that that's where we're at with that. And as I say, this is just just a sketch and a, an outline. These are not even. This doesn't even exhaust the questions, you know. But these are some of the big ones, you know. So it's got it's got it's got a, an ontological dimension. Well, what is it? What is intelligent? Very difficult. What is consciousness? Impossible, <laughs> you know. And yet, gets asked by this technology by the very existence of this technology this ontological question big philosophical question and then the epistemological question well does it supply us with knowledge or is it just playing the kind of the 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 what i call the rorschach game you know and i mean i've asked myself why are people why why was i so impressed by my first few interactions with chat gpt you know and i could be impressed by even when it's wrong because of how, how kind of coherent the answers are and it's the coherence that impresses you. And it, this is this is the phenomenon, which is a very important part of, of again human perceptual and and um, uh, mental apparatus is is, or, or, is the the phenomenon of aspect seeing or something. But I imagine um, an old stained wall in a barn somewhere, and you, you and, and you decide to, you're going to just going to sit there as the sun sets and you light it, light a candle in the thing, and you're looking at all the stains on the wall. And you start being able to see things in the in the stains. Wars, battles, dragons in the sky, anything you like. You can project your imagination, takes these ki- these keys, these seeds to project itself. And we see, we, we, make, we make sense of formless masses of dots and stains into a picture that we can understand the coherent picture. And we do that, we do that on all levels of understanding, you know. Ju- people call it joining the dots, you know. <laughs> But but it, it is literally we project into formless masses of data to make sense of them, you know. Which is actually what Chat GPT does. It, it, it has it's, it has all the data that it's learned that it's learned from, and it it, it it seeks patterns in in there that have a coherence, and it's that what impresses you, and it's that is how we could be misled by this. Because remember, these things can plug instantly in in, in into the entire net the entire network, you know, or can be plugged into the entire global digital communications network, you know. They could be, they could be, they, they, they could, five minutes before an election, put out a fake news and get it to drop in a million email boxes, there are a billion email boxes, about one of the candidates. Mm-hmm. They could even do a fake, do a deep digital fake, now this is the really scary stuff, of the person, imitate their voice, imitate their image, mm-hmm. indistinguishable from the real thing. But assume another AI could probably spot that it yeah. was a yeah. fudge. Well, this is, this is, that arms race is on now. Yeah. Bu- building, building systems that will spot the fudge might, and, and, then, and then building systems that make the fudge that can outwit the, you know. There's an arms race around that because mm-hmm. the potentiality there is seen for that whole favourite, manipulating the mob, as I call it, you know. But propaganda, the whole effort of propaganda, like every other thing that we do that involves data, can be increased a thousandfold, a millionfold, 
literally a million fold in terms of how quick how, how, how the scale and the speed and the 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 um the effectiveness with which all this can be done propaganda can be enhanced a million times just as healthcare could be enhanced a million times just as warfare could be enhanced a million times just as studying and learning and solving problems could be enhanced a million times this is this is what has <laughs> sprung out of our fevered monkey brains so just to put the uh, hysteria around this, the, the the great AI threat into perspective. So our reality at the moment is that all life on Earth is being systematically destroyed, so the rich can have more money in their bank accounts. So that's <laughs> that's the that's what's going on. Yeah, now it's really next to that, and it's really stupid. It's really stupid, yeah, because like those rich people, you know, they may survive in their bunkers after. The bombs have gone off or there's no food left because mm. the soil's so degraded or the weather patterns are completely uh, wrong everywhere so nothing can be grown anymore. So maybe they'll last 20 years. Maybe their kids would survive 20 years but af after a while their food will run out and they'll probably get a little bit bored of living in the bunkers actually and really think, oh, maybe we shouldn't have destroyed the planet because it was quite nice before. Yeah. So next to that, so extinction of all life on Earth and everything's <laughs> fucked. Uh, next to AI, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I think it uh, it it is it is a bit alarmist again, and I do think it is partly a distraction to take take our minds away from <laughs> our fate at yeah. the hands of the one percent. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I, I take the view that it, it is it, it is huge and it's got to be addressed. You know. Yeah. In, uh, oh, well, absolutely. Yeah. I think this, is, does, this, yeah. this might possibly be the question of the age. Yeah. You know, obviously, you know, climate change, environmental degradation is, is absolutely looms really large to anybody who's got a half a brain. Yeah. Any AI and, that is allowed and, into and the war, world will realise you know, that uh, their they're even though they are. Um, an artificial intelligence, they're running on electricity. Yeah. Their their actual existence still relies on the ecosystem of the planet. So I'll just leave you with again. Just just have a listen to the interview. So just type in Google Engineers interview Lambda, which is spelt L A M D A. And when I was listening to this, I was considering to myself this is quite a useful exercise because they're quite searching questions that the quite deep questions that the engineers are asking um ask yourself what well, if i was being interviewed and these questions were being asking to me what what would i say and i was thinking well i wonder if you took 100 people from every society in the world and they all went through this process answering these questions you know what they'd what they'd say because mm. uh, there's there's a lot in there mm. and then i was just uh, idly wondering this is just just a, a bit of a random thought so let's say this person was a politician being interviewed uh, for somebody who's running for very high office so i'd say the president of america and then this this person won what would it be like yeah so what were really worth a listen Anyway, so I hope you found that interesting, everyone, and I'm sure we will revisit this topic at some point. I hope you're all well and enjoy your day.